Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning into the show. I got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 57th edition of the Don't Kill the Messages podcast. First thing we're about to get into is some combat sports, uh, particularly UFC. I know my man's Darnell happy about this one. Uh, GSP, uh, he just had a contract uh, deal with him signing back with the UFC. Uh, how you feel about this, man? Uh, I mean, yes, I'm excited because he's, for my money, right now, he's the greatest fighter of all time. Uh, like, only argument, I think, could be made with Jones uh, off of pure dominance, but Jones screw-ups drop him down that list. Uh, so I'm excited, but I'm still uneasy just because, you know, uh, his his last fight coming out, he did not look like the GSP that we all know uh, in his last fight against Johnny Hendricks. He won the fight, but uh, in a lot of people's mind, he didn't win the fight. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see just what matchup they have for him and see if uh, see if he was telling the truth where he said it was mostly mental stuff and personal stuff that was going on that had him off his game and not a a decline in talent. Yeah, I was just about to ask you this. Um, do you think in any way, shape, or form, you know, because usually guys take a little break uh, fighting like he has, uh, you know, that could, they could be rusty in the ring and whatnot, but do you see any way this could actually be helpful for him uh, with him taking that time off? You know, like you said, like a mental thing, uh, you think this could actually be real beneficial for him? I mean, if it, if it was like personal things that had him off his game because, you know, uh, something I don't think anybody can deny about GSP is like he, he was always mentally prepared for pretty much any fight he went into and had a game plan that was rock solid, uh, for what he needed to do to win fights. But in that, in that Hendricks fight, I mean, he, he couldn't get a takedown. He was taking a lot of shots, which is unusual for him. Uh, and like I said, just unusual for him to take that much damage uh, in a fight. So I tend to think there must have been some other stuff going on for him to seem that sloppy in the ring. Cause, I mean, this was one of the most technical fighters you could ever see. And, you know, look like he, he lost all of his uh, defense as far as uh, on the feet. So, I mean, it, it could be beneficial to him. Uh, and apparently he, he's never stopped training, but, you know, training is different than being in a live fight. So we'll see how, uh, ring rust affects him. Yep. Now, is there a particular, uh, person you have in mind that you would like to see him, uh, come back into the ring and fight for his, uh, first fight in a while or just anybody? I mean, he- he left without the belt. I mean, if they wanted to give him the winner of uh, Woodley Thompson too, I would be fine with that. And I guess rumored one of the rumored bouts is against uh, Michael Bisping, him going up in weight uh, for that fight. That's a possibility. Uh, I guess because, I mean, in the past, GSP has said he could fight anywhere between 155 and 185. So uh, the champion of any of those divisions, I think, would be reasonable for him. So if that's the way it goes, I'm, I'm cool with it. But I, I would think it would be smart for him to take a tune-up fight to uh, just give him like a top top eight, top ten fighter just to kind of see 
if he's mentally there and if he wants to do this, but it's usually not how it goes, especially when it's a fighter that can make that much money. If you put him against another high caliber fighter, they're probably going to go with that matchup and uh, make that money. Yeah. Um, another one, how would you feel about this one? You know, uh, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but uh, McGregor, uh, you know, you're having the talks with Mayweather, but uh, McGregor and um, GSP, like two of the top wrestling fighters in the UFC, uh, how would you feel if uh, somehow Dana got together, uh, they had a fight together? I mean, I think it's possible. Like I said, GSP has said at a time he can go anywhere between 155 and 185, and McGregor currently has a 155 belt, so I mean that that's one of the options on the table for him. And if it's a chance for GSP to get a belt and be a two division champion, uh, to kind of help further cement his his status as in the all time UFC greats, uh, I think that would be a doable fight. And I mean, of the champions that are that we have right now. I, that's probably his second most favorable matchup. Uh, I think the tough, the toughest matchup for him would be either Woodley or uh, Wonderboy, just because uh, how good at wrestling Woodley is and how strong he is and uh, how uh, awkward uh, Thompson is. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, this being a lot of people think he's not a champion that is like that strikes fear into the minds of his opponents, yeah. I would say. And, and McGregor's a smaller fighter than, and not, not known for his, uh, defensive wrestling. So I think both of those lean more to GSP's strengths. So I, I think he would jump at a chance to fight either of them because he, he matches up well with them. Yeah, man, uh, like I was telling you before, you know, I'm not the hugest GSP fan, um, but, you know, uh, he did leave the UFC uh, as a champ. You know, he's been putting in mad work. You know, I can't, if somebody says that they feel as if he's the greatest of all time in the UFC, you know, I can't really argue with that. The dude's put in work. Uh, but, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see uh, when he comes back, man, because, you know, like you were saying about him versus uh, Big Rig, you know, he looked kind of sloppy and stuff. You know, he did say it was mental, but, you know, when you're going up in there, you still may be training. But when you're actually not just fighting a opponent in that UFC ring, you know, just have to see how it go, man. It's different than sparring and, you know, just training, hitting the punching bag or anything like that. So just have to see, man. It's going to be a uh, hot-selling fight uh, whenever he decides to return. Uh, do you know if there was like any talks, uh, with Dana saying when a possible, uh, when he could possibly get him in for a match or just the contract? I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a solid date yet for his first fight, but you know, I I think they just want to get that word out that he's back first and start looking at what matchups are going to be there for him. So he's been talking through, Social media with Bisping for the last like six months trying to set up a fight. Okay. You know, Woodley wanted him to come out. Uh, he wanted to be his first shot, uh, after he, he won the title. So, uh, I, I think, uh, 
they're not going to have trouble finding a fight for him outside of just all the suitors that, that want that first fight with GSP. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, any other thoughts on your boy? Like I said, just I'm <laughs> cautiously excited. I hope, I hope he doesn't come back and look terrible. I mean, I, I want the GSP I remember uh, coming in. Nothing wrong with that, man. Uh, up next, man, we're just about to continue on a little conversation we had uh, last week with uh, McGregor versus Mayweather. Uh, just was kind of thinking about this after we had the show. Um, do you guys particularly feel that this fight could kind of hurt Mayweather's career in a way? Because uh, I was just kind of thinking about this, you know, like he calls himself the greatest and whatnot. And, you know, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, a lot of boxers do feel that way. Uh, he's definitely one of the uh, best to do it. But, you know, you look at, say, Muhammad Ali, you know, uh, the guys fought George Foreman, um, Larry Holmes. He's fought Joe Frazier, you know, Sonny Liston, you know, just fought talent after talent. And, you know, and here's Mayweather, a guy, you know, he has fought some talented fighters, don't get me wrong, but one thing that people will say about him is, you know, he picks, you know, he knows when to pick it. You know, if a guy's uh, not ready in their prime yet, he'll fight him. Or if they're past their prime, you know, he'll fight him like how many people feel about Pacquiao and whatnot. And then, you know, he's here's rumors going with a guy that's never really had an organized fight in a boxing ring before. So do you guys feel as if this is kind of, that this fight happens, do you feel as if this will hurt Mayweather's career, career in a way? Only if he lost. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think people see this for what it is already. Uh, it's McGregor. I, I, I honestly agree with him when he said the most, uh, profitable fight out there for him right now would be McGregor. Yeah. Uh, it's somebody that he wouldn't have to do all the work to sell the fight. Uh, cause you know, most of the other great lighter weight fighters. It seems right now English is not their uh, first language, and or they're not just marketing machines like uh, like a McGregor or like Fl- Floyd, just because people are dying to see him lose. Uh, so yeah, probably the most money that could be on the table for Floyd is with Connor. So it's not a shock that that would be the one fight he might come out of retirement for because. He probably sees his easy money and a lot of money. So uh, I think most people understand that. Uh, He's he's past his prime as well. Like he's not he's not taking his fight against a UFC fighter at the top of his game. So and and he's not in a uh, a situation where he's like he needs money or he he's, he's broke. So he's just trying to do something to make a quick dollar. So I, I don't think it's really quote tarnishing tarnishing, tarnishing his his legacy or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, um I I would agree on just about everything you said there. Um you know, I think the key the key thing you said was people already see the fight for what it is. I don't think anybody's gonna expect this to be one of the best boxing matches, you know, ever. It'll be one of the most talked about ones ever it goes through, but it wouldn't be, you know, one of those instant classic fights, in my mind at least. If it turned into that, that would be pretty incredible. But you know, and and you mentioned it 
mentioned it too, Trey, you know, talking about how Mayweather has seemed to pick the fights at the right time for him. Yeah. Um, so people kind of already throw that on Mayweather. You know, he, he took the, uh, the Pacquiao fight when Pacquiao's coming off a shoulder injury. You know, it's like people were calling him out on that constantly the whole time. So people already have bones to pick with him. And the biggest thing that Floyd Mayweather always talks about is his undefeated record. So as long as he can just have another fight where he stays undefeated, to him, it still makes him the best. He hasn't lost. So if Mayweather loses, then you're going to be talking about a tarnished legacy. Um, because at that point, one, he will have lost to a guy who doesn't box. And, you know, it, all the hype being the hype man that he is. And he goes out and then loses to a guy that's maybe stepped in a boxing ring about seven or eight times. Like, just this would be, in my mind, at least one of those ones where you have nothing to gain but everything to lose. And if you think McGregor's annoying now, if he were to win that oh, fight, oh my god. But the thing is, is if Mayweather, even if Mayweather wins it, he becomes even that more annoying. <laughs> like, it, it'll go both ways on that one. Now, what do you guys think about just the, uh, just the state of boxing, uh, with this, uh, potential matchup? Uh, you know, just boxing, if you look at the 90s, um, it had, you know, Tyson, Tyson, Evander, Roy Jones, Floyd was uh, starting his career up in the 90s, you know, it had just, you know, you could always look forward to see some good fights um, throughout the year, uh, you know, just in the 90s. Now it's just like now uh, we did have that Pacquiao-Mayweather uh, fight, but it's just like, you know, boxing just at this dead state. And, you know, like, how does it, mm-hmm. what does it say about this, you know, to have your top fight be against, you know, a legend like Mayweather against a guy that doesn't have uh, that much experience? In the boxing ring, I mean, it's just we're in a state where boxing is just not what it used to be. Uh, we don't have any global icons like there's been in the past, like from Ali to to Tyson and the Holyfield, like you said. And you know, basically after that, you start decline because we haven't had just a great dominant marketable heavyweight champion and I don't know how long yeah. the lighter weights have had to carry things like you you do still have some really good boxers you got uh triple g you got Bronner. uh there's still some good younger fighters that are in their prime still but it's just just people don't know who these guys are because you know the the stage of boxing is going down yeah. Uh, especially since there's just not enough marquee names to build each other up. Uh, probably started getting watered down because they started making so many weight classes, five belts per weight class, basically. Yeah. You got the WBC, WBA, WBO, W whatever you want. Yeah, IBF, yeah. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, it, it was a victim of his own success. They watered it down and started creating so many titles. You don't know who, who the real champion is. You can look at pound for pound rankings, but if you don't know what weight classes all these guys are and if they're not actually fighting each other, you know, competition 
breeds excitement. And there hasn't been enough competition for a lot of these guys. You know, I think another thing that goes against boxing right now is we see a couple other sports at all-time highs. You know, the NFL's at an all-time high, you know, even though we saw a little bit of a dip in the rankings or the ratings. Um, and you could attribute that to it being a presidential year. You, you could attribute it to it, whatever you want. But, you know, football is at a global high. Uh, basketball is pretty much at a global high right now as well. Uh, granted, it was it was still pretty big in the 90s with the Jordan. Yeah, like going overseas and now to play and everything. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, since since boxing has started to die down, I mean, we've seen Yao Ming come over, get into the <clears> NBA, <throat> and then it started going crazy in China. So, I mean, it, it kind of like Darnell said, you know, there's just, there's no global icon. There's no... There's nobody you feel like you have to turn or you have to buy a pay-per-view fight to watch. Um, I, you know, pretty much if you're into the boxing scene, you have a boxing, you know, a favorite fighter or two and you watch them and that's kind of it. Um, you know, I think another thing that hurts is they don't get the mainstream media. Uh, it just doesn't pick up on it right now unless it's Floyd Mayweather. So. There, there's just also really no no awareness from just regular sports fans who just like to gather up all the knowledge. It's just, it's just not there. You have to go looking for it. Just like the NBA will jump in front of your face, the NFL will jump right in front of your face. Um, boxing, I, I don't even know that I can name three boxers right now. To be quite honest, it's it's just not there right now, and I don't know what it would take, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Darnell said like getting rid of some of these different belts and kind of condense, condense, condense the classes and, um, you know, let them start to actually fight it out for fewer belts. I mean, I think that would help. Yeah. Cause like you, like you said, fewer belts would bring more competition. More people would want to fight each other to get in line for the belt. Yeah. Well, and it would, and it would not allow for basically what Floyd's career has kind of been where mm-hmm. he gets to pick and choose when and where and who he's fighting and I mean it, it was smart on his behalf he, he basically accumulated an undefeated record and he can say he fought some names with just about everyone he fought them when they were about a year or two past their prime I mean you could even you could even argue that he got into boxing past its prime <laughs> when he started getting big I mean, you, you can you can make that argument too. So you can say his whole career's been full of past their primes. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, up next, we're about to get into uh, still about to stick with some boxing, uh, but we're about to get into uh, some potential matchups that we would have liked to see in boxing. Uh, just whether if guys were in the same weight class, but they could just, just couldn't reach a contract agree- agreement. Uh, just age, you know, just guys just fighting in two different eras, and you know whatnot. Um, but just about to get into some of our just fantasy fights we would have loved to seen happen. Uh, I'm about to lead it off. Uh, I put I picked three. I had actually a lot of them actually, but uh, just with some guys that you know, just some of them got some of the guys that I've already had mentioned um, in this uh, in my top three. It'll just be them just fighting just different opponents that I already have uh, listed and everything like that. So I just kind of stuck it down to three, uh, three fights. So for number three, uh, it would have to be a welterweight or a middleweight fight between Sugar Ray Leonard 
and uh, Walker Snuff Jr., or uh, a lot of people just know him as Sugar Ray Robinson. Uh, just to give a little tale of the tape between these two, Sugar Ray Robinson, he has 173 wins, 108 knockouts, 19 losses, 6 draws, and 2 no contests. Some of his notable wins is against Jimmy Doyle, Jake LaMotta, and Bobo Olsen. Uh, he was named Fighter of the Century by the AP, and he is 5'11 with a 72-inch reach. Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, he had 36 wins, 25 KOs, 3 losses, and 1 draw. Some of his notable wins was against Roberto Duran. He actually made him quit in the fight. Uh, very impressive. No yes. Uh, against, and also he has wins against Tommy the Hitman Hearns and Marvin Hagler. Uh, he was also named the 1976 Olympic gold medal uh, champion in boxing. And he is 5'10 with a 74-inch reach. Uh, just would have liked to see seen them. Uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, well, Sugar Ray Robinson, he fought in 200 fights. But I think they only have 13 um, actual, uh, 13 just footage of him actually in his fights. So there's a lot of pe- things that uh, people did not get the chance to see. Uh, with his just talent and ability, but a lot of people actually saw Sugar Ray Leonard get in the ring and was very talented, very flashy, uh, has some just quick, could move and just do everything, great footwork and everything. So just to see those two get it in in a boxing ring, uh, that would have just been fun to watch. For number two, me and Darnell, we actually had the same, uh, two people. Uh, this would have to be a middleweight fight, uh, and this would be between Roy Jones Jr. versus Floyd Mayweather. Uh, about to just give a little details about the guy, and then I let Darnell get in just to give his thoughts about it. But Roy Jones, he's still currently uh, fighting. Uh, he fought. Good God, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he currently fought uh, earlier this month, uh, but he has 65 total wins, uh, 47 knockouts, nine losses. Some of his notable notable wins are against Antonio Tarver. Tar- Antonio Tarver. Bernard Hopkins and John Ruiz. Uh, he was named BWAA's Fighter of the Decade in the 1990s, and he's 5'11 with a 74-inch reach. Floyd Mayweather, a lot of people know who he is, uh, but he's 49-0, and 26 KOs. Notable wins include Pacquiao, Canelo Alvarez, and Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, he's the highest-grossing five boxer in the history of the sport, and he's 5'8 with a 72-inch reach. Uh, both of these guys uh, had some controversial Olympic losses. Uh, I believe Floyd lost in the 96 Olympics and Roy in 88 Olympics uh, were very controversial decisions uh, that I believe helped fuel their career. So, uh, Roy Jones versus Floyd Mayweather, man, middleweight. How do you feel about this one, Darnell? I mean, it would be a, a fun fight because I feel like at their peaks, they're probably two of the quickest fighters you could ever see. Uh, both very good defensively. Yeah. Uh, but I would probably still have to give an edge to Roy if they were to have fought in their primes, just because I don't, I don't think Floyd ever fought somebody with the speed and power yeah. of, of Roy. Yeah. Uh, probably, yeah. Uh, Foreman said it best. Yeah. Roy, he moved like a lightweight to hit like a heavyweight. So that, yeah, which that, is that, why that defense he was able to move up to heavyweight. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, just Roy is an old, old country boy that <laughs> he he found what he was good at. And when he was at his peak, he was, I mean, he was just 
a wrecking crew of, of one person. Uh, if you want to YouTube them, if, if there's some listeners that are, are younger that haven't seen this guy, just see what he would do in fights. I mean, he, he had some of the flashiness of like an Ali in the ring, footwork, putting his hands down to draw people in and, just his hand speed was out of this world. So if those two were to fight just because Floyd's not known for punching power, he, he does have some KOs, but they're all late in the fights when people were getting worn down. Roy had one hitter quitter power yeah. where if, if, if he catches you on the button, not even totally on the button, he, he, he could put you down. And I, I would, I would like to see him try to solve that, uh, defensive Rubik's Cube that is Floyd. Yeah, man. That, uh, Philly, uh, show, show the role of Floyd's, man. I would just love to see, you know, Roy Jones just using that footwork and that power, just hitting him, man, just to see how he responds just to all that power, uh, mm-hmm. Roy Jones has, man. That was just been a fun fight to see, man. A guy that could just continue to just hit you over and over again and just see how, um, Mayweather just responds to that, you know, just see if he could take it, uh, you know, through 12 rounds, man. So that would have just been a fun fight. I would have to go with, uh, Roy Jones on that one as well, man. Just, you know, in the nineties, that dude was just a beast. He was just fast, just could just do anything in a ring, man. Just, I, I would probably say probably the most athletic, athletically, uh, just gifted boxer I've ever seen in a ring, man. Just to make you miss. Just embarrass you in the ring, man. Just make you just look like you don't even have any boxing experience at all, man. He was just that amazing. So I, w- I would go with uh, Roy in that one. You think it would uh, last the whole uh, fight, or you think he would actually knock him out, or what? I would probably lean towards a late knockout, just because, I mean, Floyd uh, is good defensively. They both had gas tanks. It's just. I don't think he would be able to avoid punches that long of a fight. Yeah. Uh, so at, at some point, I think Roy would start to get in and, and, and corner him and start laying in just because he, he was a faster fighter than Floyd. Yeah. All right. And uh, for my final one, uh, the one that I have in here would be the Brown Bomber, Joe Lewis versus the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. Uh, just some little tail of tape between those two. Uh, Joe Lewis, he has 66 wins, 52 KOs, only three losses. Uh, some of his notable wins against James Braddock, Max Smelling, and Billy Kahn. Uh, he was voted uh, number one in Rings Magazine's Greatest Punchers list. Uh, he was 6'2 with a 76-inch reach. And Muhammad Ali, 56 wins, 37 KOs, and five losses. Some of his notable wins include Sonny Liston, George Foreman, and Smoking Joe Frazier. Uh, he was the named Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Century, and he was 6'3 with a 78-inch reach. So just to watch those guys, man, just uh, their different styles. You know, Muhammad Ali, how he just danced in the ring, could pop you with those jabs, just to see how Joe Lewis um, could get in the ring and uh possibly take those jabs and you know he had a pretty good reach too so see how he just uses both of these guys can use their reach to just get in contact with each other and to see how Joe Lewis uh his power and whatnot see if he could take Muhammad Ali down and whatnot so that would have been my list man I think these would have been some fun fights to just see those guys getting in 
Uh, Ty, what about you, man? You have any? Yeah, you know, we've been, you know, talking about Mayweather and mentioned the Pacquiao fight. Uh, you know, I think everybody who saw that fight would agree it was a major disappointment of a fight. It was pretty dull. But, you know, if, if that fight were to happen about five years prior, I think that could have been one of the best fights ever, personally. Uh, you know, Darnell mentioned uh, Floyd Mayweather's ability to protect himself very well. He was really good defensively. Uh, so was Pacquiao. You know, I wouldn't expect this to be a, you know, a knockout or a fight like that. I think it would go down to the end and probably end up being a split decision winner. Um, it would be a fight you'd definitely have to have the stamina for. Because, um, I mean, both guys will engage, throw their jabs, but both would just protect themselves very well in the ring. So if if that fight would have happened sooner, I think that it would have benefited everybody a little bit more. So, yeah, uh, yeah that would that'd probably be mine. Yeah. Cause, and, and plus, the, the, the hype still would have been there, too. Exactly. So yeah. if so, it was it would have been there. I saw that fight for free, man, and I still felt like I got ripped off. That was horrible. So. <laughs> yeah. It was bad, yeah. man. Uh, but just to end the discussion on uh, boxing, uh, I think, that, in my opinion, I think this would have been the highest grossing fight of all time. But uh, Mike Tyson versus Muhammad Ali, uh, this mm-hmm. matchup, man, many people have always had this argument, but who would you guys have had in this fight? Ali, easy. Ali, easy? Yes. Wow. Okay. What yeah, about I, I, I would. Yeah, I would go out Ali as well. Um, I don't know about easy, but I, I think, I think Ali would have taken. I think it was just better with his feet, just the ability to move in the ring. Uh, I think would have basically helped him avoid all the big punches Tyson would have tried to throw at him. Yeah. I, just, I just feel like Tyson always had trouble with pure boxers. Yeah. Uh, especially if they if they weren't afraid of him and Ali <laughs> feared nothing. No. So, yeah. I mean, you you look at the most notable losses for Tyson, uh, with his two to Holyfield and his loss to Buster Douglas. So These were fighters that 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 had good boxing ability, yeah. weren't afraid. Uh, they they protected <clears throat> themselves from his hits and. And Mike had it. He had a tendency to gas after a fight went past three rounds. And uh, Ali, if as long as he stayed out of range for three rounds, just how Tyson fought, he was going to punch himself out. And I would say, probably that against Ali, it would end just his boxing ability alone. It would end in about a fifth or sixth round knockout. Ooh. Yeah, you know, I, 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 but I think the real question would be: Would Ali exit the ring with? Both of his ears intact. <laughs> I, th- I think I think that's the real question we got going here. Well, it, it took two fights for Evander to lose his. So that's fair. That's fair. No, no rematch clause after I beat you. <laughs> yeah. I would say this, you know, if it was a uh, best of seven or whatever, I would have uh, Muhammad Ali winning. Uh, but just to give you guys some thought on this, uh, if you were to look at some of the guys that they both faced in their career. Uh, be Trevor Burbick and Larry Holmes. Mike Tyson did destroy those guys in the ring. However, uh, they Ali, were both 40 yeah, plus I, years I, old. I was just about to say, yeah, Ali, uh, he <laughs> lost to those guys, but however, Ali was past his prime. Um, so, you know, just if you were to just look at that, but 
I would say this. I believe that Mike Tyson would have won if he was, uh, if he was, say, around right when he won the, uh, was the undisputed champion. I think, like, right around the edge when uh, Customato was still his trainer, I think Cus would have trained him um, in a way to win. Uh, you know, just I think Customato, he's the greatest trainer of all time, and I think he just would have had him prepared uh, to fight Ali. Uh, just kind of my thoughts on that. But I think if you were to look at some of the stuff, too, with Mike Tyson, with the whole rape trial, the whole Robin Gibbons uh, situation and everything, too, I think Customato would have got on his tail about that and made him stay focused and whatnot. So if Mike Tyson was the win, I think it would have to be a young Mike Tyson when he just got ready to uh, capture those belts. Um, but other than that, if it was uh, right after Customato died, I think Ali would have gave him the business. So especially with all that uh, trash talk and stuff, too, I think that could have helped, helped get into uh, Tyson's head as well. But uh, best of seven, I would give it to Ali, but I don't think uh, – um, Tyson would have got, you know, just destroyed completely by Ali. Especially kind of like I'm, how I'm kind of looking at it as well is that one of Ali's greatest opponents was Joe Frazier. I'm kind of looking at it as, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, he was the guy that hit harder than Joe and was faster than Joe. So if he could somehow bob and weave under those, uh, jabs that Ali was throwing and could land that hook, you know, it could be over. But like I said, you know, was I just, he- was he as mentally strong as Joe Frazier? True. Like I said, you know, with the whole trash talk and everything, yeah. I, I think, you know, Customato, he would have to been a trainer to make sure that he stayed focused and everything like that. But You, you know, can't train not letting stuff get to you. I don't, <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's, you can't train that. If, if, you, if you don't, if you are thin-skinned and don't deal well with somebody talking and playing mind games with you, that's just bad. And and Mike Tyson got set off by people not really even talking much trash to him. I mean, yeah. he he threatened to eat Lennox Lewis's kids over what? <laughs> True, man. So just have to see, man. I would have loved to seen that fight, but you know, yeah, you guys brought up some interesting points. Um, anything else to add? You know, whether UFC or boxing, before we get ready to move on. Nah. Good discussion. Um, up next, we're about to get into the NBA. Uh, just what were you guys thought on, thoughts on this awesome NBA All-Star weekend that we just had? I was at least okay with everything but the dunk contest. <laughs> uh, after, after the 2016 dunk contest, this was the movie that did not deserve a, pre- uh, a sequel and yeah. it tanked at the box office. Yeah. So. Um, honestly, though, the dunk, the dunk contest is something needs to happen to it. Like, granted, what did they do that one, that one year that like wasn't John Wall in it one year and they had some really weird format and it sucked even worse than it normally did. Um, yeah, that when they gave you like a time limit to do like three dunks or something. Yeah, like yeah, and, something yeah. weird happened, and they just went back to the old way of doing it. But they need to do something to bring some energy to it. I mean, you have a seven foot guy jumping over a three foot table. Uh, you know, you got guys in essence performing the same dunk. You know, jumping yeah, over the, two uh, or three people. Yeah, the guy, uh, uh Derek, Derek Jones Jr. and Glenn Robinson basically did, did the same or dunk, attempted yeah. the same dunk. 
Um, well, and, and Glenn Robinson's first dunk and last dunk were pretty much the exact same dunk. Just prior yeah. To more so, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, granted, at the end, all Glenn Robinson had to do was just complete a dunk. <laughs> yeah. Like, he could have just walked up and just did a little two-hand slam and <laughs> still would have won. But uh, honestly, it, the dunk contest is what everybody talks about. It's what everybody remembers. They they need to do something because All Star Weekend is basically judged on the dunk contest. Yeah, you know, just uh, yeah, that dunk contest was pretty bad. But uh, just Aaron Gordon, man, um, you know, because coming into the dunk contest, you know, he did have an injury with his foot. Um, I don't know how uh, much that affected him at all, but it didn't look like he definitely didn't look like he had the same bounce and whatnot as he had last year. Uh, so. Um, I don't know if he should have just sat this one out if he wasn't feeling a hundred percent healthy or what, but yeah, it was always disappointing. Uh, it looked like he had some good ideas, man, but just I don't know if it was his foot or what, but he just couldn't pull through on some of those stunts yeah. that he attempted. So, I, I I will add to it though, if if there is a bright spot to take away from the dunk contest, I think it was Derek Jones Jr. I mean, I I had seen some some tape of him doing some dunking and stuff in pregame warmups, and it looked like he could get up. But he was really getting up during the dunk contest. Um, you know, he did. He didn't complete the last dunk, or he, or he would have won, in my opinion. But uh, you know, I, I think if they get him back in it next year, he'll be better prepared, and I think he could he could wow some people. Yeah, it seemed like in the end, the lights got to him a little bit. Yeah, uh, being in front of a crowd that well, but yeah, you could definitely see he has mm-hmm. some springs. But uh, next year, he needs to. Bring some bigger shorts with him. <laughs> yeah. Going old school, man. Yeah. I thought I was watching that 88 dunk contest. <laughs> Those thigh highs? Man. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, you guys were off the dunk contest, but how did you feel about the All-Star game? Because, you know, it's, you know, at least it used to be, you know, you you would see at least some type of defense in it. But it now just it seems like they're just going out there, just doing whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't even seem like it's just competitive at all. You know, like I mean, props were, to you know AD for getting that record, but it's like you know what? nobody. Was two guys got the record. Well, you, yeah, I mean, much. two guys got the record, but one walks away with it. But you know, I think well, there's what a record seventy five dunks or something like that. Yeah. Um, I saw that as a stat. It's like it. It literally was dunk. Full court pass, dunk, full court pass, dunk, three, full court pass, dunk. Like, that was the sequence of the All-Star game. But, you know, if it, AD winning MVP, getting the scoring record, what do you have, 52? Yeah, 52, 52. points, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, that, that's a bright spot. You know, you're kind of like, all right, cool, good for him. He did it in front of his home crowd uh, and whatnot. You know, but in the end, it's the all-star game. You have to know that they're playing to not get hurt. Uh, and at the end of the day, I don't think you can really get too mad at them for not wanting to get hurt in the all-star game, which is mid-season. I mean, would it potentially be a better game if they moved it to the end of the season, kind of like they do with the Pro Bowl, but the Pro Bowl's a joke. <laughs> so I'm not trying to compare the two, but, um, would it almost be a better game in general if they would just move it to the end of the year and just give them a week break off in the middle of the season? Like that, that was, that was my thought. 
that was my thought following the All Star game is what if they moved it? Would would we then see a better basketball game? Yeah, how do you feel about that one, Brandon? You there, man? Yeah, I don't know. So here, I'll I'll I'll, I'll pick it up and give, give some more reasoning there. You know, basically, like I said, you know, these guys are playing to try and not get hurt, yeah. right? So I and 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 you can't blame them. I mean, they're on contracts. There's, you know, teams fighting for playoff spots and and all this. If they moved it to the end of the end of the season, I, you know, you could actually see some sort of an effort being made. Like I heard one analyst talk about the All Star game, and he was saying, you know, he really would want to see what you know. Isaiah Thomas would try and do guarding Russell Westbrook in an actual, you know, game or, you know, if, if you found a way to mix it up and, um, you know, they really said Isaiah Thomas though. So, I, I know he doesn't like, guard anybody anyway. No, no, they didn't, they didn't actually say <laughs> him. It was just whoever came to the top of my head, but it was, it was basically the idea of they would want to see how these guys would, you know, actually pair up. Uh, like, say you had, um, you know, how they kind of did the Pro Bowl for the few years where you just kind of pick players and conference doesn't matter. Like, could you imagine watching, like, I don't know, say Jabari Parker was healthy, Jabari Parker trying to guard Anakupo. Like, stuff like that is what people would like to see. People on the same team go against each other and you never see that. Um, you know, I, I just think being able to move the All-Star game to a later date could potentially actually give us a, you know, a decent game to keep an eye on. Yeah, how do you feel about them moving into a later date, Darnell? I mean, I guess I wouldn't hate it. Uh, I'm, I'm indifferent to it anyway, either way, just because I feel like an exhibition game, we can't really ever expect them to play their hardest for it. Uh, like baseball, baseball tried to do it. Um, oh. You know, you've seen a lot more All Star games uh, than us. Like, yeah, like back in the like you know early nineties and whatnot. So, man, like I was a competition back then. You know, with Jordan and all those guys scooping it out. It was still similar. You know, they they would take the first few quarters just to kind of show off, give the fans a show see some dunks in mid-game, lighter defense, just because, I mean, still, I, I, I just I just think the players know this game doesn't count. So, yeah. of course, if it's, if it's mid-season, it's like I'm not tearing an ACL or, or yeah. breaking a bone, uh, especially if I'm on a team that has a chance to go far. Yeah. Uh, but this this game just kind of took it to another level because, like, even in the fourth quarter, there was no defense. Steph uh, Curry laying yeah. down, letting get. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm not getting posterized, so I'm, I'm hitting that. I bet that yeah. still gets made into a poster. <laughs> but I mean, usually some of the the competitive juices would start to go, like coming towards the end of the third quarter and fourth, just because you want the pride of your your conference winning the game. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I. Just, I think we're just moving into a different time. Like in the in the eighties and nineties, you didn't see coaches sitting their players to make sure they were rested enough come to playoffs. I mean, it's 
it's it's not as fun for the fans, but I mean, just players is, in this day and age are more aware of their bodies and what how much they're worth. Yeah. I guess uh, I I could say so. Just these, this is the way the game is moving. Yeah, so. and, and I would even say this: I'd rather see it where it is now, with you know almost no defense. But still having all the stars there, then seeing all these guys turn down the offer to go there because they don't want to get hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, which which we get a lot in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, yeah. well, mainly because it's the you know week before the Super Bowl or whatever. But um, well, but I mean, you even have players that aren't even in the playoffs anymore, still uh, just declining. That's, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I understand, I, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anybody would want to watch, you know. I don't know, the two worst guys in the NBA make the All-Star game because everybody else declined. I mean, that's, that's, I don't know what kind of ratings the All-Star game gets, but you don't want it to be zero. <laughs> that's all well, I know. As far as I'm, they're one of the better rated All-Star games, just because, I mean, it's, it's a faster paced sport. Yeah. Like, probably them and baseball are the ones that would, <laughs> most closely resemble how a real game would go, yeah. I, I guess, just because there's the least injury potential. It's not like hockey where they're not going to be checking people as hard in, in an all-star game. And, you know, yeah. in, in football, is it, the Pro Bowl is basically touch football. They don't blitz. They don't really do too much because uh, everybody's – I mean, it's it's already a tough enough sport, so they're not trying to get hurt. So people do at least watch that, just because you know it's it's kind of a spectacle seeing a team almost score two hundred points. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Uh, well, anything else to add for All Star break? We need to get some more stars back in the Saturday festivities. Yeah, I think. Uh, I'll, I'll- would we? Would you guys agree that we're kind of past the whole LeBron and the dunk contest thing? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like people yeah. still talk about it, but like at this point, I can care less whether he's in it or not. No, not him. But I mean, that's yeah. No, at I least for it. that, we need to get like some at least like some mid level stars. Like, well, everybody, everybody needs to be at least at like DeAndre Jordan's yeah, no, uh, notoriety level. I think. Yeah, I mean. I will say, Derek Jones Jr., how many people do you think said, I've never heard of this guy a day in the life? Oh, probably 90% um, of the people and watching. Then, and then secondly, there's no excuse why Steph Curry can't do the three-point contest. No excuse. But at least that was still full of some... No, I agree. Names. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kyrie, you had uh, Clay. Yeah. yeah. No, like that, just, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm disappointed with who was in it. I'm just saying, you know, people who regards the best shooter... Some people call the best shooter in NBA history won't even do a three point contest. Uh, he's yeah. jacking up those half court shots, man. So yeah, yeah. and went over. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> didn't make a one of them. Yeah, so, so, hey, it was the I clothes, saw somebody, man. The street gear. He need he needed somebody guarding. <laughs> yeah, I I saw somebody come out with this like shot chart for Steph Curry from half court during All Star Weekend. It was just five X's in the middle of the floor. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, now, what do you think about this DeMarcus Cousins trade? Uh, was it a good trade? Uh, you know, just what are your thoughts on it? 
on the on the surface of it, of course, it's everybody's mouth is watering, just thinking Boogie and AD just terrorizing the offensive paint on people. Uh, but I mean, it, it's it's still you got to wonder how do they make this work because Pelicans they play a little bit more fast paced and. Boogie is your traditional put me on the block and I'll make something work yeah. in the paint. Uh, he's, he's not a run up and down the court type of player like AD is for his size, you know, just, but, uh, if, if they can make it work, I mean, this could be scary, especially if they get like a, just a decent spot up shooter on the outside just to <laughs> keep, keep people backing out of the paint some. But I mean, you you can't double you can't double either of them now, so it's oh, it, it could be scary come next season. I think I don't think it means much for this season, but yeah, you you know, uh, Darnell, I think you'll you'll understand this more than more than Trey would. But I think one comparison we could bring into it is Purdue when they run Haas and Swanigan at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Swanigan has the ability to hit the three. Uh, both AD and Cousins can hit the three at, at a decent yeah. clip, too. Yeah. Um, and Cousins is underrated. Might be the best passing center in the league. I agree. So, so you know, just like Swanigan's a really good passer for his size. Yeah. You know, it, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't think it can work because I didn't think that Golden State would work as well as they did. Uh, so I'm not going to say it can't work because I, I was proven wrong, you know, four months ago. Um, it, it'll, like you said, it'll just be interesting to see how they decide to utilize both of them. If they, you know, try and put them both down low, if they keep one outside and the other on the block, it'll, it'll just be interesting to see how that works out. But, uh, for me, uh, how, how do I evaluate the trade? Uh, it, honestly, kind of poor. Uh, you know, I, the Hornet, or not the Hornets, the Pelicans, uh, basically stole DeMarcus Cousins away for a first-round draft pick and nobody. Yeah, uh, they, they fleeced him. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> D-Lock comes out saying, yeah, you know, I had a better offer two days ago. It's like, why the hell? If, if, I, were, <laughs> if, I, were a King, if I were a Kings fan, I'd be so mad. <laughs> I, I would be unbelievably mad that that's what we got for yeah. arguably the best center in the NBA. Well, I, I mean, mean yeah, no, like, I was telling you guys, like, at least would have, yeah, yeah, true. You know, I at least would have tried to get, you know, Drew Holiday or something out of that, you know, well, probably, like their second best player or something. But. Well, I I heard uh, that the Pistons offered Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. And there may have been other pieces involved. Uh, but, you know, that seems like it at least would have been a better trade off than getting Buddy Heald. I mean, look at, look at the shooting guards they've, dra- that they've drafted in the last five years. I think they've drafted about five of them and only one of them, Ben Maglemore, still with the team and he's not doing anything. So, you know, if anything, this opens up a big door for Buddy Heald. Uh, if he can go to Sacramento and pretty much do whatever he wants, uh, Good, good for him if he can really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if if he can really go there and expand himself and get a good second, uh, second contract in the NBA and go somewhere else, you know, that that would be really good for Buddy Field. Uh, Yeah, it should be good for him. He he should have the greenest of green lights on that team. 
Yeah, you know, Tyreek Evans is probably really mad that he's going back to Sacramento. Yeah, uh, yeah he's really the maddest guy out of the deal. Uh, but then, you know, you have, you know, the whole stigma that comes with the Marcus Cousins. Is he going to be, you know, a problem on the bench, on the floor, in the locker room? Uh, we don't know. Was that just a problem he had with Sacramento? Is it a problem with himself? Uh, I mean, I guess we're going to find out. And then on top of that, they only have him for a year and a half before they have to figure out whether they can keep him or not. Yeah. So, you know. I think he losing, if, uh, if he was to stay in Sacramento, uh, I think he would have had an extra $30 million in uh, Max correct. Deal. But yeah, I think he lost $30 million Correct. Going, yeah. He did. To the uh, and he even, came, he, he even came out and said he's not sour about it. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, good for him to publicly come out and say, hey, I'm cool. I'm basically, he said he's just happy to be out of Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I took out of it. But like, so overall, like I'm not thrilled with the trade. I'm not like disappointed in it either. Uh, if uh, New Orleans can find a way to hold on to DeMarcus Cousins when the contract runs up, good for them. Uh, they could bring somebody, somebody else in and really work with it. Uh, they could be an interesting team in the Western Conference. I think they currently are an interesting team in the Western Conference, but uh, you know, if they get him for a year and a half and gave away Buddy Heald and then Cousins leaves for another team after this contract's up, you know, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> I think this is one that he probably tried to give a shot there. It's, I mean, it's not to me, especially with how the league is set up right now, just with teams all about perimeter play right now. Mm-hmm. They could be that resurgence of kind of old school basketball dominating the paint. Yeah. As long as if they get just get a you know, like I said, a decent couple wing shooters and and mm-hmm. a reasonable point guard, they could just be nasty. Yeah, if they could, like you like Trey said, if they can hold on to Drew Holiday, I think mm-hmm. he's all the point guard they need. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, like I just, you know, with that, but yeah, I think, you know, potentially, uh, I think they have the potential to be the best, uh, front court of all time, you know, just especially in this day and age of small, uh, basketball. But like I said, man, it's going to have to take them some time to metal things out, you know, work on the spacing and everything. But these two, they have the potential to do some mad damage on that court. So just have to see how it all plays out. Now, are there any other trade talks uh, that you guys been hearing about that you find interesting or, you know, something you would like to see ha- happen uh, before tomorrow at 3 or what? Well, apparently the Clips and Celtics are talking about Blake Griffin. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that one might be interesting, uh, especially if the Celtics don't have to uh, mortgage too much of their young and talented team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Think, think people would like to see Blake catching the oops from a, a new point guard and Isaiah Thomas. I think that, that could be an interesting look. Uh, I'm not sure if it would give him enough to jump Cleveland, but mm-hmm. interesting nonetheless. What about, yeah, uh, yes. cause I, I was hearing, uh, Jimmy Butler possibly going to the Celtics as well. Um, I, don't I they, uh, I'm hearing Jimmy Butler is being looked at by the Lakers. That's what I'm yeah. hearing. Oh well, I mean Butler is a—he's—he's he's the biggest yeah. name getting thrown around, but apparently the Bulls want too much. Is, no, I, is I what I'm hearing. So, 
So I, I wouldn't expect him actually to be moved just because the asking price is too high uh, for him just because I guess it seems like Jimmy Butler is just in that weird place where the numbers he's putting up shows he's like a a team-changing type player, but I don't know, just teams don't accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, just people feel like the bottom is going to fall out on him or something, mm-hmm. and he, he he's not like that anymore, so who knows? Yeah. You know, one one trade that actually has gone through that I find very interesting is Lou Williams to the Rockets. Oh, yeah. Uh, the reason I find that one so interesting is because they've already got that six man in Eric Gordon coming off the bench. Yeah, you know. So like, yeah, you're, know yeah, you're, 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 you're signing the same exact player at the same exact position to do the same exact thing. Yeah. It, I, I don't know if they're going to try and run them both at the same time or... I have to think that they're moving one of the, like Beverly or, or, uh, Gordon. Have yeah, to be. Well, they have to be looking at another trade. They have to be. Or maybe well, somehow move Gordon to the three, perhaps. Oh, or something, well, or? what, what they could do is send Beverly to the bench. Cause he's starting right now alongside Harden. Just let yeah. Harden be the one, no problem. And move either Williams or Gordon into that Beverly spot. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it could work. Um, I, I just found it really interesting because, like I said, they're they're literally the same player. Yeah. Just come off the bench and light it up. Exactly. All right, now we're about to talk about my Lakers for a little bit. Uh, they basically got Magic Johnson running the show, uh, Showtime. So what do you guys think about this move for the Lakers? Uh, how do you think Magic Johnson will do um, in this position? No, I know some people, you know, they question, you know, players just getting a position like that. Um, you know, just through the previous experience of teams not doing well and so forth. But what do you guys think about this? I'm skeptical. I mean, uh, I love Magic. You know, that's, that's my, my alma mater's all time great athlete right there. Uh, but, He's never been in a role like this. I know he's been an advisor for the Lakers for the past season. Uh, but it, it's another thing to be uh, the president of basketball operations. So I think it comes down to the people he puts around him. Uh, what kind of advisors will he have? Making sure the moves that they make are what's necessary. Uh I mean, we, we, we've already seen the, the first come out of it with this, uh, Lou Williams move. I don't think it's a bad move for the Lakers. Uh, but, uh, we're, we're going to have to wait probably a full year or so to see how this is working out. Get, see what he does in his first full off season up until probably next year's trade deadline to see if, if the Lakers are trending up, upwards or, if it, uh, or if it's more of what we've just been getting with uh, Cupcheck and 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 Bus. Yeah, you know, just for me, uh, I actually like Cupcheck. Uh, you know, he was doing some great things. Uh, you know, when LA was one of those championships. Um, pretty skeptical with Magic as well. Um, you know, I hope he does well. Don't get me wrong, but just have to see. You know, this is a position that you know he's new to. So 
hopefully, uh, you know, there was, you know, he was saying he would like to bring my dog Kobe in there to help. So another player. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see, man. <laughs> but, uh, I think that's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, man, just have to see, you know, uh, you know, it, it's magic being magic, I guess. I want somebody, you know, winning experience to help the team out, but. I'm not really a guy, you know, that likes to hear people lose their job and whatnot, but I'm just happy Jim Bus ass is gone. So it was, <laughs> this was long overdue. You know, I know uh, Jeannie, she was talking about she was apologizing for probably waiting too long to uh, fire her bro, but get his yeah, ass out. Way of too long. Yeah, get his ass out, you know. So I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with that one. You know, wish him the best and everything like that. But, yeah, his ass is gone. I'm happy. Yeah, leave. You, you sure you're happy about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm positive. <laughs> you want to say one? You want to say that one more time? Get his ass no, out of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm actually gonna be on Darnell's side of the fence here. You, you have to be skeptical. Um, you know, Magic Johnson got the position because he's Magic Johnson, yeah. not because he has a proven track record at the position. So, I mean, he knows basketball. I'm not doubting that. Uh, he knows, you know, I'm, I'm sure he knows player development and things like that. Um, but it just comes down to, is it going to turn into we're going to let him do what he wants because he's Magic Johnson or we're actually going to hold him to the standard of running a basketball team? Yeah. Uh, and like Darnell said, it's going to be a progress. The Lakers are a progress right now. Um, they're, they're on that trail coming back. They have some players that they can really build with. Um, it's just going to come down to front office decisions. And uh, is this going to be a good one for the Lakers or is it going to turn into a Phil Jackson situation? Yeah. I mean, that, that would be worst case scenario here. They turn oh. into the Knicks. I mean, it, at least Jeannie Buss saw that uh, she she got to look at New York and know Phil wouldn't work in a front office position. So yeah, at least you had that going for you, Trey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, last but not least, uh, for Adam Silver, you know, there was word going around that he was looking at um, just the overall just draft age for people to enter into the NBA. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You think uh, players should have more time to develop in college basketball uh, besides one year, or what? I mean, it's it's, it's it, good. It's, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it, it's it's tough. I mean, there are some players that you know probably are good enough to come straight out of high school. Still, um, you know, so. That one year isn't necessary. I understand it. Um, I understand they, they want, you know, a player to still develop just a little bit, get used to playing against some bigger bodies. Uh, then there's also just a, a, a maturity that comes with one year out of high school. Um, you know, a lot of those kids will go, go away to college, be away from home for the first time. Uh, it, it's just a big learning year for anybody in life. So. Um, I, I understand the one year out of high school before you can mention the NBA draft. I, I completely get it. Um, if they make it longer, I think we will see more players go overseas. Um, 
and it would be tough to come back. I mean, Brandon Jennings did it, but not many other players have gone overseas and made it back. Um, I mean, right now, Jimmer Fredette's averaging 37.7 points a game in Shanghai. And I have no clue if any teams are even interested in bringing them back. So it's, it's a, it's a tough road. The longer you keep them away from the pros, uh, the more likely I think these kids will be to look for other options. Um, so honestly, if they made it a couple more years, uh, I, I think that would not be a good move for the NBA. But if they were to just say, Hey, if, you know, you're good enough coming out of high school and they eliminated the one year rule, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I would, I wouldn't mind the, uh, high school or whatnot. Like just looking at it, you know, some of the greatest players ever in the history of the NBA, you know, didn't even play college, you know, like Kobe, LeBron, Moses Malone, KG, you know, some of those guys don't have any college experience whatsoever. So just me, just seeing that, you know, I'm always for, you know, people going out there, you know, doing right, getting money, you know, providing for their families and whatnot. So me, I'm not really against it. You know, I can see, you know, maybe from the NBA's perspective, how it could be beneficial, but just overall, you know, I see, you know, you're an adult when you get 18 and whatnot. So just go out there, man. If you got the skills to go out there and make money, provide for your family and whatnot, just go for it. So. Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I'm totally against the whole making players wait a year, uh, to get into the NBA. I don't like it for football either. Like, I understand why for all of them. I mean, like, I guess it might sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, but like, do I personally think a year or two in playing college ball does better for, uh, a kid? Yes. Yes, it does. But if, if they're ready to, if, if they can be drafted and start making that money, uh, I, I don't see why we have to force them to go somewhere else for a whole year for training. Uh, I mean, I, honestly, like on, especially on the NBA side, if, if a kid's good enough where a, a team would be willing to draft them, I say let them draft them. You don't have to play them. You let them, let them play a year or two in the D League. It's basically the same thing. And so they can get paid on the job training as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I mean, Personally, for me, I say nix the whole whole deal. Is it worse for college basketball, which I like watching more? Yes, but uh, I, I don't think we should be holding these kids back from their earning potential. And you know, honestly, possibly having that one bad year in college and being forced to go. Okay, so do I have to play another year in college to try to get my draft stock back up, or did I just lose my shot just because I didn't go out? When I was eighteen, yeah, just starting out. You you uh, says worse for college basketball. You mean uh, them setting the age higher for people who get drafted, or no, eliminating the mm-hmm. okay? Because if they don't, because if they don't go to college, then there's there's going to be no presence of yeah, the star true, players. True, true. Okay, yeah, yeah, just making sure I got that right. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, like, um, I'm I'm sure you guys have seen highlights of the Zion Williamson. High school class of 2018 doing some crazy dunks in game stuff. But th- th- this kid's huge. Uh, 
crazy dunks. Look him up. Um, looks and like both he's a, of, both of balls, two younger brothers too. Yeah, well, the youngest ball brother isn't playing defense, but that's yeah. a different story. But like yeah, Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson looks like a complete two way player. Uh, he he gets way above the rim. Uh, like he's uh the class twenty eight team, but like he looked like someone that could just skip college in general. Like the dude's body is already built for the NBA. So, you know, him not going to college would be like, man, a college really missed out on having that college basketball missed out on another good player. But like Darnell said, if that kid goes to college one year, say he goes to, I don't know, Duke, uh, tears an ACL, who knows what his future is going to be. All right, guys, do you have any final thoughts to add to the show or anything for, you know, UFC, boxing, NBA, or whatnot? No. No, just uh, college basketball starting to wrap up. Uh, Trey, for you, uh, start paying attention to things like bubble teams and uh, seedings for conference tournaments because a lot, a lot of times the conference tournament depends who gets in the tournament, All the, right. the big tournament. Okay. So, uh, yeah, th- this is a good time to start paying attention to a lot of the bubble teams and, uh, you know, really look to see who's getting hot, who's cooling down. And that plays a huge... Right now is when, yeah, right, right now is what you start looking at for your brackets. So. All right. Okay, cool. Now, now's a good time. Mind, so. Yeah. Uh, now, yeah, like, uh, however they do like that, does, does this play a key factor in, uh, just the overall rankings in the, uh, March Madness brackets or? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, at this point, the number one seeds will probably have some small variation depending who loses. Yeah. But um, where where it gets real big is when you start talking about like seeds four through about that. That's where you see a lot of fluctuation and a lot of big matchups can change based okay. on a team moving from an eight seed to a seven seed. Like that could be a world of a difference for a team in the tournament. Alright, cool, man. I'll, uh, keep that in mind. I know, yeah, uh, seeing, uh, NC and Louisville get it in right now, so I'll be checking that out after, uh, Duke, Duke lost on a buzzer beater tonight, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. That was big for Syracuse. They're on the bubble right now, so that's a huge win for Syracuse. Yeah. So, see how this all plays out, man. Yeah. All right, guys, I appreciate y'all tuning in to the show. Um, as always, y'all can check us out on Twitter at DKM underscore cast. Uh, you can also find this podcast on places like iTunes, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, Google Play, SoundCloud. Just hit us up in that search engine. As always, appreciate y'all for tuning in, man. Y'all take care and have a good one. Peace.